The title of my message this morning is actually a new series entitled New Things. And today we're going to be talking about a new body. And really, probably rather than new things, a better term would be renewed things or redeemed. And we'll get to that in a moment. But to start with a little story, uh, how many of you like good days? Yes. I, I love good days. And I've probably used this story in the past, but my eldest niece, probably she was about three or four years old. And she saw somebody coming that had caused her some issues. And before they were a ways off, uh, my eldest niece, she says, that's a bad day. (laughs) And I just, that's sort of our phrase now. If there's somebody coming that like, oh no, here comes a bad day. But we're not talking about bad days today. We're talking about, honestly, probably the best day we will ever experience. I think probably in all of eternity is going to be the day when Jesus comes back. And we've been talking throughout this year in uh, 2020 uh, in the book of Revelation, in just end times things, what to expect, because I think we live in these times where we need to prepare ourselves and be ready for the coming of our Lord. And so the best day to come that we will ever experience, I think, is the second coming of Christ. And so we, we have some uh, talking about this, some signs leading up to the best day ever. In Luke chapter 21. And you'll find this, this, the, all of that discourse. This is where Jesus is talking about what it will be like in the second coming. Actually, he answers a number of questions. We talked about this a number of months ago. So you can go back on our website and listen to those uh, sermons if you'd like to. Hopefully we'd want to educate ourselves. But you find Luke 21, Matthew 24, and Mark 13 are the three areas where the Olivet Discourse is recorded, and they all offer some different things with this. But let's read just a couple of verses, uh, starting in verse 25. It says, And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and here on the earth nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. This word terrified, is interesting in the Greek, is the word Phobos, which is where we get the word phobia. Are there any people today with phobias going crazy? Masks, disinfectants, don't cough, don't sneeze. I mean, so it's interesting here. It's not just talking about like terrorism of nations. It's talking about a spirit of phobia upon the world. So at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, so key, when these things begin to happen, stand, look up for your salvation, or as the King James Version says, your redemption is near. Amen. So it says that men's hearts will fail from terror. At this time, there's a short period, and then you have the second coming of the Lord. So redemption is something that many people don't understand. We, we use this term, and it's a, it's a churchy word. I mean, we can redeem a coupon or redeem something, but redemption, understanding it as a believer, is something that we don't spend a lot of time probably really meditating on and contemplating. But it's supposed to be one of the, probably the most exciting experience of our lives is when we are redeemed. And concerning end times, it's important to bring into context what is happening right now in relation to the coming of our Lord. You see, when we understand the Bible, what it has to say, we understand that God has foretold, that means you could say prophesied, but He said ahead of time 
all of these things that we are experiencing right now in these final days, long, long ago. And when I read about the Bible, when I read about end times, when I study my, my Bible, it brings comfort to me. Because I know that Jesus has already foretold what's going to happen. So with that, God's in control. Amen? He's in control. He knows what's happening. It's on His timeline. So I think, honestly, we, we live in very exciting times. Probably more exciting than any other time in the last couple thousand years. And we need to take effort to understand this. Because it's, Jesus says, look, your redemption is near. Look up. Your redemption is near. And I think right now we have the uh, unfortunate distraction of looking everywhere else other or rather than up to our salvation, to our redemption. So redemption, a question that can be asked is this, well, aren't we already redeemed? Don't we have a song that says, let, let the redeemed of the Lord say so? And so we say, yes, we are redeemed right now. So pastor, how are you saying that I have redemption to come? What do you mean? I am redeemed. Yes, your spirit is redeemed. Your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions is being redeemed. And your physical body will one day be redeemed. You see, what we have right now in this life, in this moment, is but a foretaste of what eternity will be. We, we, we are experiencing not even just a fraction or a sliver of all that redemption is to be for those who are eternally the Lord's. On the day Jesus returns, you'll be completely redeemed completely restored, renewed to the life eternal that God has planned for each, of an, each and every one of us. So redeemed, it means very simply this, to buy back. So if you did not have it before, you cannot get it back. Does, does that make sense? So I have something, I've lost it. If I redeemed it, I've gotten back that which I've had. So there must be an example in the Bible here. As we're talking about new bodies, redeemed bodies, the Bible must have examples and stories about the life that was, which we no longer have, but we will get back someday. And we find this with Adam and Eve. Do you realize that what Adam and Eve had in the garden is what we will get God gave them the whole package. The whole deal, when he made man, and when he made woman out of man, they were living in the life that we will be living in. I think we might get a couple upgrades too. But uh, it was good. Right now, we, we just live in the littlest fraction of what that life was. The Bible, in a lot of places, it talks about when it talks about end times, and it talks about these, these final moments before the second coming of Christ. There's a lot of examples that, is, that are in the Word, but probably the most uh, relevant that we can all understand and appreciate is pregnancy. You can appreciate yes, I can appreciate pregnancy. Seriously. <laughs> Vicariously, men appreciate pregnancy. All I know is I don't want to go through it again. <laughs> but there's all these parts. I mean, th think about this. As soon as it happens, and you're like, we're pregnant. There's overwhelming joy, excitement, anticipation of this birth. Then comes the discomfort, vicariously. Uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, is it? Is it called uh, phantom? Like, like when you lose your, if you lost your limb and you think your, your leg itches, but it's not there. Phantom pain. 
Men experience phantom pains during pregnancy. It happens. <laughs> but, or discomfort. But anyways, you have joy. Then you have discomfort. Then you can have sickness. Then you can have worry, anxiety. You can have pain. All these things. And then you have the delivery. The Bible says that the coming of the Lord will be like this. So what we're experiencing right now in our world where we have moments of joy and then we have discomfort and then we have worry and then we can have pains and all these things are building up to the return of Christ. You see, also with with pregnancy, we know when it's going to be over, right? For the most part, we know, okay, nine months. Doctors will tell you, okay, it'll happen on this day. Okay, it could be that day. It may be a couple days earlier. It may be a couple days later. Who knows? It may have to be, is it Pitocin? Is that what they give you? They can give you that shot of Pitocin, I guess. I just got, I didn't get to experience it, obviously. Uh, But still, you don't know exactly when it's going to be, but you know the season and the times. That's also how the second coming of Jesus will be. When people say, well, no man can know the day or the hour. No, we know Not maybe the exact day it'll happen, but we can see what's coming up. And I am telling you, we are in that final generation. We are in it. And the Bible even tells us that. So as the pains get harder and harder and harder, the birth comes closer and closer and closer. So in the same way as we look at our world right now, as these metaphorical birth pains of our world continue and intensify and get harder, Jesus is getting closer and closer and closer to his return. And with his return comes new bodies, redeemed bodies. And it's interesting, when the baby is born, now again, this is all secondhand, I mean, from an observing point, but as soon as that... As soon as the baby is there, I'll just say the pain and the discomfort is forgotten about. Don't say no to me. All the pain is forgotten about and all the focus is on the new life. Can I say that much at least? Right? We are overjoyed at the new life we have in birth. Think about that. When Jesus says... The trumpet and the dead in Christ arise, and those who are left are caught up with him, as we read about in First Thessalonians, or even First Corinthians as well. We'll talk later, but the joy of the instant transformation, glorification of the new life, the redeemed bodies that we will have, will be like that. But the harder things get in this world, understand, the sooner Jesus is coming back. So keep that in mind, church. And that should be something that also comforts you. And also encourages you to, until that day comes, look up. Be living your life right now. Be about the kingdom business more than the distractions we find in this world. So labor pains. Romans chapter 8 gives some detail to this. So in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18, it says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. This is God to us. Verse 19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. 
But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So we understand that when, when Adam and Eve brought sin into this world, that it didn't just bring physical and spiritual death to man, but it also put a curse upon the earth. And the world is actually looking forward to this day. All of creation is looking forward to the day that Jesus comes back. Verse 22, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. This is what I mean. Like We, we have a taste of what redemption is, but we don't have all of it. We just have that, that little sample taste. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. This is our focus, these new bodies that God has for us waiting. Verse 24, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. So we have this guarantee. We have what's coming. We don't have to think, well, is it really going to happen? No, it will happen. Again, we hear this talking about labor pains and birth and how the world has been subjected to this curse because of sin. So now, everything in creation is waiting to see who God's children really are. When the redeemed say, yes, I say so. So, three simple points this morning. Uh, With new things or renewed things and renewed bodies. Number one is this. Our earthly bodies are temporary. But one day, we will have heavenly bodies. So this is the first part in a number of weeks where I want to talk about, really, when it comes to end times, things that will be renewed. This week we're talking about the renewed bodies of the believers, what we will experience. Next week maybe we'll talk about heaven. We're going to talk about renewed minds, all these different things that God has for us that when, when Jesus comes back, the full, real, eternal life that we will live. And what's really sort of propelled me in this direction is just looking at our world and just the, the thought came... Now, go with me in this when I say, I'm not going to try to be like some great philosopher and say things what we see aren't really real, but in a sense, the reality we're experiencing right now is temporary. This life is temporary. It is a test. This is not the end game for our lives. And so, in looking in that perspective, from an eternal point of view, this temporary life is not our ultimate reality. The greatest reality we can have as believers is to look up to heaven. That is reality. This is a test. This is a foretaste as believers as to what will come. So, what does it mean to be redeemed? It means that Adam and Eve had perfect bodies. They would be alive right now in this moment had they not let sin into the world and the creation into them. They had what was, was called provisional immortality. In that, had they not sinned, they would be alive. Imagine, no joints hurting, perfect eyesight, perfect breath, no sickness, powerful, eternally. But it changed the day that they ate of that fruit. The Bible said very clearly that the day that you eat of this fruit, you will die. And they brought death into creation. Had they not, 
They had, would have perfect bodies, never would have gotten sick, no pain, lived forever. But sin corrupted that. Our bodies right now are corrupted. I think probably more so than we can fully appreciate. I mean, I think the older we get, the more we can see this. But uh, even, even in that, when we experience the renewed bodies that God has for us, then we will fully appreciate, man, it was way worse than I really thought it was. We get used to living with our pains. We get used to living with our sins. We get deadened to the depravity that we see around us. But when we have this renewed body, we're going to see with clear, perfect, holy eyes what we were really missing out on. We will understand fully what it's like to be fully redeemed. So Adam and Eve, they had it. They lost it. Jesus died on the cross and redeemed them and redeemed us. And one day, there's going to be a time where we get it all back. And the Bible tells us very clearly this is at the second coming. So we live in this state now, but it will be changed. So why, why is it so important to talk about this right now? I think it's because, especially in our culture, we are so obsessed with our physical bodies. How it looks, what we eat, what we do, all these things, our surgeries. It, I have it in my notes, but I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll trust my notes, and I'll get to that point, because I have a really good story. But, you know, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're too old. You're too young. Our, 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 our whole world focuses on bodies. And this creeps into the church and then it affects us and ours. But have hope that God has an eternal one, your eternal one, waiting to be renewed. We live in this world obsessed with bodies. You know, I, I just refuse. I, I refuse to just act the way the world tells me to act. Consider important what the world says is important. Gratify myself, my, my, my physical body, with what the world says is gratification. The Bible says, God says that we've been set apart as holy. Our bodies in this time right now, that we're supposed to live, behave, act, and think in a certain way that glorifies Him with our bodies. And the best way to do that is to keep in mind what our eternal bodies will be like and what they're going to be used for. But in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment, again, the hope is we'll be fully renewed and redeemed. It'll be perfect, the life of the, of the believers in that moment. But those who don't know Jesus, they will not experience this. They will not experience new bodies. So some of us need to keep this truth of being fully redeemed at the forefront of our minds. Because if you're like me at all, it is so easy to get distracted and focus on the things that don't, that don't matter. Put my time and my energies and efforts into those things which are temporal, not real reality, rather than eternal reality. We keep our hope on what is to come. Amen. So understand the entire earth right now, I mean, think about this, the Bible says the entire earth right now is groaning with expectation of this time where redemption takes place. Amen. And I'll tell you this much, birth pains are intensifying. Can we agree with that? Amen. The, the chaos, the turmoil, the fear, all these things, the birth pains of the coming of, the, of, our, of our Lord are intensifying. The time is shortening. That's right. 
it means that you're just about to get that redeemed new body that you're waiting for. The upgrades, right? I, I have so many just thoughts. I was thinking, you know, falling apart. I mean, I'm 41 years old, and I can, I can tweak a muscle just by reclining in my chair. It's like you hit, you know, hit that button, feet go up, and all of a sudden you're like, oh! Get a cramp here, a cramp here. You're trying to push your legs out. It's horrible. I can pull a muscle in my recliner. But soon, I'm going to have a new body. I can recline and nothing's going to happen but just... The perfect sigh. Romans 8.23 again. And we believers also groan when we recline our chairs. No. Even though we have the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about this. We groan too even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We long for this. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. God has promised us new bodies. And I have yet to see God not come through on his promises. Second point is this with new bodies. Jesus was the first and the foreshadow of what we have to come. So Adam and Eve is what the original print was. Jesus, when he resurrected from the grave, when he was resurrected, the body he had, has right now, is what we will have. So let's look at this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 20, it says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. So Jesus is the first. He is the beginning of the resurrection, taking back which Adam had lost. Okay, Verse 22, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. This is the salvation we experience when we testify that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart, confess in my mouth that He is Lord, and He saves us and redeems us. Verse 23, but there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. But then all who belong to Christ will be raised when He comes back. The second coming. After that, the end will come. When He will turn the kingdom over to God, the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. He'll take control of everything. It means that what happened to Jesus at the resurrection is going to happen to us. The same body which he has now, that the disciples saw for 40 days, that they watched ascend into heaven, and we've seen in Acts chapter 1, is the same body we will have. So this happens when Jesus comes back. The Bible actually gives us some of the the descriptions of what it was like when Jesus was resurrected. So, go to Luke 24, verse 50 through 53. It says, And just as they were telling about it, so so Jesus died on the cross. Disciples saw that the tomb was open, and all of a sudden they're running back and saying, Hey, we we saw Jesus. He's resurrected. And so now they're describing these experiences and encounters with Christ during this time after the resurrection. It says, And as they were telling about 
And, and just as they were telling about it, the disciples, Jesus himself suddenly stand, was standing there among them. He said, peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that he was a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. Make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies. As you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled, broiled fish, and he ate it And the, as they watched. Verse 50. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, lifting his hands to heaven. He blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. So this is a lot of description about Jesus' resurrected body after the cross. Something we see here, it says that he suddenly appeared. So they were there talking to disciples and out of nowhere... Jesus is there. It's not like they're in a great big room and there's like a a group of people here and he sort of comes up and is like, hey. They were in a small room. They could see everything and all of a sudden, boom, he's there. So he appeared. So uh, let me ask you this question first. How how many of you believe in angels? Do you believe that it's possible that right here, right now, there could be angels amongst us? In fact, the Bible says so. But we don't see them, do we? So there is a dimension to reality that we, right now, physically, are not able to necessarily participate in. Our new bodies will. Every dimension that God has created, we will be a part of. Our new bodies are going to be a part of this. It will be physical, our new body, but it will also be supernatural. And beyond that, it will actually be supranatural. This is a really cool word. Supra, it means to transcend, to go beyond. To go, like, I mean, to think, to go beyond your limits. Right now, we have physical limits, but our new bodies will not be restrained by physical limits. We will be supernatural, raw natural, not ur natural, both. It will transcend what we see in this time. It will be physical, supernatural, and supernatural at the same time. This is what Jesus was. I mean, he was there in a different dimension. And boom! He's physically where they were able to interact with them. Much like angels do today. But it was also a physical body that could be touched. It says, touch my hands, touch my feet. I'm hungry. So it's it's going to be a physical body that is supernatural, supranatural, but physical I'm hungry. Let me eat. So all of the appetites that we physically have right now will be a part of our new body. But it will be holy. You know, there's this misconception by some believers, I'm just going to go theological here for just a moment, that we're not going to have a physical body. But we will. You will have a real body. Jesus came to his disciples and said, Touch me. To know that he was real and not just a ghost. In fact, they thought he was a ghost. This idea, the the, the philosophical term is called dualism. It's the idea that anything that is supra or supernatural is good. Anything that is physical is evil. Have you ever seen like the yin and the yang? Same kind of thing. The white, the black, the good, and the bad. 
And so in this time when Jesus was alive here on earth, they, they thought, okay, well, being that Jesus is God and he is good, then maybe he really could not have been here physically because nothing physical is good. It's evil. So therefore, Jesus came as a spirit. We saw him, but you couldn't really touch him because he was supernatural, supranatural. Good and evil don't mix. But he is showing here very clearly that this is not how it was. Plato is actually one of the main philosophers that was eloquent enough to describe this. It's called platonic dualism between the good and the evil. But Jesus did not say this. In fact, a lot of believers, in, uh, John, uh, the apostle, well, the, he's the a disciple and apostle, wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the Gospel of John, in the book of Revelation. He really fought Gnosticism, which was just this, that Jesus did not necessarily physically die on the cross. It was, an, it was a... Not an image, but it was a spiritual death that there was witness, but he didn't experience physical death. But if that's true, then, well, it can't be true. It's fallacy. It's heresy. Jesus is physical. Our new bodies will be physical, just like his. He didn't just appear. He, he only appeared... To, okay, it's real. So I was, I was going to put here, I said, in the Greek... This idea that Jesus only appeared spiritually, the Greek word is garbage. We translate it as garbage. It's not true. Dualism is not true. So another thing that's cool is this, bo- this body, this new body, it can travel without assistance. I mean, think about this. Right now, I have to take my truck up the hill to my house. If I want to go to Hawaii, I have to hop on the, a plane and fly there. But with this new body, you can think it, and you're there. Of all the superpowers I've ever wanted, I always thought, oh, I'd love to be able to fly, or be the invisible man. You really hear what people really say. You know, those sort of things. But I think the best superpower is like, boom, I'm there. That would be awesome. And that is what it's going to be like. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for this. Anywhere in the universe, I want to go to Pluto. I'm at Pluto. That is cool. I just wrote here, after thinking about all these things, real life has not yet begun. Seriously. The life you're living right now is nowhere near as real as eternal life. It is but just a a fraction of a taste as a believer. And if you're not a believer, it's horrible. It has nothing in comparison to what's to come. Our new bodies will be eternal. They will never die. Third point is this. The Bible tells us about our new bodies in great detail. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. And I want to stop there for just a moment, is because in in, in the, the church of Thessalonica, they were grieving deeply, and, and, and Paul was saying, hey, you will see them again. You know, there, there's, we, we have all experienced loss of loved ones. But the hope of the believer, the reason why we can, we, we, we grieve the loss because we were not made to experience loss. God made us, made Adam and Eve eternal, and so when we lose somebody, it's a natural reaction to grieve, and we should. But we who know Christ have a hope for a future. 
It says, verse 14, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised, raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So those who are right now dead in the ground, but in heaven with the Lord, we'll get to this in just a moment, they're going to come back with him at the second coming. Okay? That's what this is saying. Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him again, meet meet, meet him ahead of those who have died. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. This is supposed to be an encouragement for us who have had loss. So there's people right now who are in heaven, but they're in the grave. Uh, so, So where is heaven? In uh, Luke chapter 16, we have this, uh, it's not a parable, it's an actual story. And I, I've heard people from both sides, it's, it's a story. There's the rich man and Lazarus. And as they're talking about this, you have the rich man who was a bad man, he went to Hades. Lazarus, who was the poor man but righteous, went to a place called Abraham's bosom. And so Abraham's bosom, I mean, you, if you take a class in theology, you can read all about this. Um, and study it. But Abraham's bosom was a place of the righteous dead for the Old Testament, all up to the time of Christ, until he resurrected from the grave. Hades is hell. It is a pit. And as you read through Luke 16, it gives a great detail about this place. It's like a paradise, how there was a chasm between paradise, Abraham's bosom, and Hades, hell. And, And they could see each other. And there's this discourse, this dialogue going between Lazarus and the rich man, where he's saying, Send Lazarus to help me with my torment. I'm, I'm burning up here. Just a drop of water. Send Lazarus back to tell my family not to come here. So in the Old Testament, in this time before the death and resurrection, Abraham's bosom was where the righteous dead stayed. It was their abode. But then, Jesus... Oh, actually, I have a verse for that. So, but this is not where heaven is now. The righteous dead are no longer in Abraham's bosom. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 through 10, it says, That is why the scripture says, When he ascended to the heights, this is Jesus, it says he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says, this is Paul saying, Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world. The lowly world is below this world. So the place where the righteous and the unrighteous dead were at was like at the center of the earth somewhere. That's where this place was. Uh, also known, the, the whole place is known as Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. That's Abraham's bosom and Hades in this place. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. So Jesus descended and took the righteous dead with him after the cross resurrected with them and brought them up to heaven where heaven is now. Um, I have so much to talk about. You're going to have to come on Wednesday night if you want to hear more about it. Just, just know this. Right now, they're in the third heaven. And understand, when, when Jesus said to, the, to the, the thief on the cross, he said, to this day you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise is where God's presence is. Paul talks about um, 
You can just write it down in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 about going up into the third heaven, into God's presence. So the, the first heaven is like our stratosphere, atmosphere right now. The second heaven is all above that. And the third heaven is God's presence where believers, saints, their spirits are at right now. But their physical bodies are still in the ground. But their spirits are with the Lord. At the second coming, the physical bodies will be glorified, reunited with the spirits, and then become that resurrected new body. Okay? Let's just read about it really quick and move on. This is going to be lengthy, so pay attention either on your device, on your Bible, or behind me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40. It says, There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. Okay? Verse 41, the sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind of glory, and even the stars differ from each other in their glory. Now, our new bodies, when this, this is why we say our new, new bodies will be glorified, like what Jesus has. Verse 42, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, right? Goes back to earth to earth, or dust to dust, ashes to ashes, back to earth. But they will be raised to live forever. Verse 43. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. Amen. So brokenness means whatever the, the, the ailment or cause of death, right? They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as they are natural bodies, they are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, because became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first in the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. There's a lot in here. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will also someday be like the heavenly man. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. That's why we have to be renewed, redeemed. Verse 51, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. In a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. I, I think about, this, this, this brings me comfort as I, I look at my loved ones who have, who have died None of them have died in great perfect health. My last moments in seeing them, they were weak. They were broken. Ravaged by cancer or who knows what. But the next time I see my grandpa, my great-grandparents, my family members, they're going to be powerful and strong and beautiful and glorious in ways we can never imagine in this world. This is what our Bibles teach us. This is the new, the renewed bodies that believers have in Christ. 
So their spirits are in heaven today, right now. Our moms, our dads, our children, our uncles, our aunts, our friends. But at the second coming, their spirits are going to come down and be reunited somehow with their physical bodies. Whether it's in the grave up there at Doss or in Arizona or in Timbuktu or whether they're cremated in their ashes. or I, I, used, I, I used to do burials at sea and I've inhaled like three people. Oh, it's horrible. But somehow God takes all that they are and reunites them with their spirits and they're glorified. Something I was studying, do you, do you realize that every gravestone that where there's a gravestone and the head of the person faces west, the gravestone faces east? Do you know why that, that, that is? It's because Christ is supposed to come from the east. And they want people as they stand up out of their graves to be able to stand up, not with their backs to Christ, but with their eyes facing him and coming up to him. Go to Doss right now. Every single cemetery plot out there, the gravestone is on the east, the body, the head is laying from west to east. Head to the west, feet to the east. So when the resurrection comes, they will stand up and see Christ. It's powerful stuff. When Jesus comes back, the second coming, the dead in Christ will rise first. But those who are in this final generation will not experience the first death. I really think it could be our generation. I so much think it could be. In fact, I'll end with this in a second, but those who are here now will be transformed. In a moment, God will do this, this amazing transformation. They will be caught up, the dead in Christ will be caught up to Him first, and then we will come right up behind them. And then from that point forward, it's eternity with the Lord. We, we use this word rapture. The Greek, to be caught up, to be brought back, is harpazo in the Greek. We get the word rapture from the Latin translation, which is rapturo, and then we say rapture, to be caught up with. That's why when people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible, no. The word harpazo is. The Greek, harpazo. The Latin, rapturo. The English, rapture. So don't let people tell you the rapture is not real. It is very real. We will become like Jesus. We will be eternal. There's not going to be time anymore. Not that time doesn't exist, but we will not be, ex- we will not be limited by time. Have you ever held your breath? You have a limited amount of oxygen that you can hold in your lungs, right? You have a limited amount of time that you can live on this earth. So eternity is that without limits. Your new body will not be restrained to limits. Limitless time. You can have a conversation with somebody for 3,000 years and not run out of things to talk about. I will never have to default to the weather. I have nothing else to say. This conversation is limited. Eternal buffets. Jesus ate. I can eat for a hundred years and have more room. Won't have to do crunches to try to get the food further down so I can get some more in me. You won't get sick of whatever it is. Eternal. You won't age. I've noticed, uh, so I've, not that I'm vain, but maybe, um, I've saw myself on Facebook, I thought, man, I'm looking older. Tara, I need some cream for my face. 
change the lighting so you can't see my receding hairline. All these things. But in heaven, it's not that way. There is no vanity in heaven. You don't have to be. You are glorified. Okay, I need to wrap it up. So when? How close are we to these new bodies? When you study end times, the majority see, look to Israel. All throughout the Bible, most prophecy is focused towards the nation of Israel. We are, we are adopted into this family. But things that happen with Israel are, are the key signifying points to the return of Christ. Israel is like, like our super sign. You see, everything we see happening... The most important things we see happening is those which affect that nation. In Joel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, At the time of those events, says the Lord, when I restore the prosperity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather the armies of the world into a valley of Jehoshaphat. There I'll judge them who are harming my people, my special possession for scattering my people among the nations and for dividing up the lands. This is talking about the Armageddon. This, this is the final battle at the very end of the tribulation period. But we have to look at that. This, this generation started. Most biblical scholars believe this started in 1948. This, this, this final generation started in that time. We are so close. I mean, we, we could spend sermons upon sermons just talking about how Israel became a nation after being dead for 2,000 years and Ezekiel 37 and all this kind of cool stuff taking place. But we're in this generation today. That generation is alive. It's the one who will see the beginning, or the, one, the generation who sees this, this rebirth of a nation will see the end. By, by vast majority, biblical scholars believe this. I believe this. So don't get so focused on your earthly bodies. This is my, our takeaway today. Don't get so distracted by the experiences of your earthly body today. Don't, don't let the pain and the suffering you see distract you from looking up to Jesus. Amen. I'll tell you what, I, I've, I've experienced death in my life. Others have too, to where it can almost make you hard against God. Because you can say, why? Why? Why the pain? Why the suffering? How could you? Don't be distracted by that. Look forward to your hope. This body we live in right now is temporary. What you may be dealing with right now physically, what others expect you to do physically, is not what eternity is made up of. Don't let the world put on you limited expectations. Focus on the eternal life that God has for you. You're running a race, and we are so close to the finish line. Don't be disqualified by being distracted. You know, when you run a race, there's certain races where if you go outside your lane, you're disqualified. Don't go outside your lane as a believer. That's my admonishment to you this morning. Run hard, run fast. Stay strong and stay focused on your Lord and your Savior. Because when Jesus comes back, you're going to have a new body. We'll talk about more redeemed things in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about this. I, I'm encouraged by this in a time where we're having birth pains in our world. 
but our Lord and our Savior is near. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day to be in your house. I thank you that you have shown us in your word all that is to come. It was foretold thousands of years ago. But what was said thousands of years ago as generation after generation after generation has waited for this time, I really do believe that we're in this time now. And your word says to live expecting to see you. And so regardless of what happens tomorrow or next year or ten years from now, I, ex- I will live expecting to see you, and that way I will glorify your name in this temporary life. I'll stay in my lane and run my race and not be disqualified because I'm looking to you. You are the author and, the, and the, the, the perfecter and the finisher of my faith, and so I will keep my focus on you. Not on a governor, not on a virus, not on racism or hatred, but on you who are perfect. Lord, help that be what we do today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday night. We'll get into a lot more detail about this on Wednesday. So have a wonderful afternoon. Good to see you online. Happy 4th of July. There we go.